0: It is time for the Big 12 Breakdown. Tottenham Jones, Thomas Bruce is here with you with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 Conference. We will break down every game in the league this week, also cover the top storylines around the conference as well. But we begin as we do each and every week here on the Big 12 Breakdown with a look at our Big 12 Hot Takes for the week. And uh, Tom, I'll let you get things started on the hot take front. Um, what's uh, what's your hot
1: take here? I'm gonna say uh, no surprise. Here's my hot take of the week. We saw Spencer Sanders come in and save the day superhero style against Iowa State. A lot of question that if he could if he could have come into the fourth quarter, why couldn't he have played all game? I think OSU did not want to play him. They asked him in the postgame, will you be starting in Bedlam? He said, absolutely. Um, give me Spencer Sanders to have one of his career days um, against against OU. I think he plays the full 60 minutes. And in that game, I think OSU defense forces three turnovers. Um, not in a route, but I think it's 31-23 Oklahoma State. So here's my hot take for you. I told you uh, the last couple of
0: weeks that I did, I thought TCU was going to win out, that they were going to go undefeated uh, in Big 12 play and be the first team since the Big 12 went to the round robin in the last year the round robin, too, of having a full undefeated season. What I also said was I wasn't sure about the Big 12 title game because K-State had played them close and Oklahoma State had played them close and, you know, I'll say this, after what TCU did on the road at Texas, out physically that Texas team and taking them to the woodshed and, you know, as impressive as that win was. And, and to me, that was one of the most impressive wins we've seen of any team in
1: college football this year. It should have Robinson.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm all in. I'm going to take that one step further, Tom. I got TCU not only winning out. I, I, I think that they go ahead and they they. I, it doesn't matter who they face in the Big 12 championship game. I think TCU is going to win the Big 12 title game, and we're going to see them as an undefeated Big 12 champ in the college football playoff. Um, I'm not saying this is over. You know, we've seen crazy stuff happen before, but they're in their own tier. They're on their own pedestal right now. It's TCU. And then it's everyone else. Sonny Dykes has done an incredible job. Um, if if this was like F one or you know the old NASCAR Winston Cup point standings, TCU would have the title clinched with three races to go. Up you know three hundred some odd points or whatever. I mean that's that's what they've done is they've separated themselves.
1: I was uh, at first I was when you started on that TCU. Uh, Love bomb. I, I really did think you were going to say, doesn't matter who TCU plays in, in regards to the first round of, of the playoffs, the semifinals. I was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I said, man, that's real hot. I said, you need to go to the hospital. That's you running a fever, but you know, I, I, I can't say that I don't agree. Uh, um, I, I, you know, I think, we both kind of know that it's going to be purple versus purple in Arlington. And uh, to be honest, I can't wait to see that matchup, but I uh, can't say that I would uh, disagree with TCU winning out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there are, they are the team to beat and um, it's just really impressive the job they've done. And We've mentioned many times before, Tom, the pure playoff privilege, you know, that our buddy Tim Brando has uh, dubbed and talked about. And when you look at the way this thing has stacked up, TCU has done everything that's been asked of them. Max Duggan's played at a high level. And Max Duggan's not getting any Heisman talk. They're sitting at the four seed when they probably should be at least the three seed. I don't think they're going to get any higher than three. Uh, I don't think they're going to pass up Georgia or Ohio state, the you know Ohio state, Michigan winner or whatever it may be. I think they're going to be the three seed in the playoff, no matter what. Um, but you know what? They've, they've kind of taken this underdog approach. They've embraced it and more power to them. I mean, if, if their name was Oklahoma or Texas, Max Duggan would be a Heisman candidate right now. Um, He'd be one of the favorites. They would probably be the one or the two seed. Um, it's unfortunate they're they're getting treated like they're a mid major school or something when uh, they're really just one of the best teams in the country. And and that was what we saw Saturday night. That was their coming out party to the rest of the nation.
1: Yeah, I believe it. Especially you know, you you mentioned the rest of the nation who had like what Texas is a seven point favorite the disrespect, the disrespect, um, you know, so credit to Sonny Dykes, man, crazy, even, even more credit to Max Duggan. I, you know, I'd love to go back and listen to our first show of this football season. It it sucks that we're nearing the end, but you know, that's how time is. But, um, I guess my, my, my cold take, my worst take of the year was,
0: when uh, I like Morris. Chandler Morris better than uh, Max Duggan, but I mean so did Sonny Dykes when he initially gave Chandler Morris the job so
1: uh, right. And this CCU team is not only not undefeated if they keep on with Chandler Morris, uh, but they're definitely not even making Arlington trip if they have Chandler Morris I
0: don't I, I still think Chandler Morris is a good quarterback but
1: he, I, I don't know if he's bad he would not be doing what what uh, Max Duggan is doing, right? That's now. what. It, it's more of a credit to Max Duggan than it is a knock on Chandler Morris, is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Um,
0: another note, interesting uh thing, uh, real quick, uh, that uh, I wanted to bring up before we get to the uh, the picks this week, Tom. Uh, you know, when it comes to the Big Twelve. And expansion and trying to grow this league and everything. I found a very interesting note the Big 12 has put together an advisory board, um, to kind of discuss the direction of the conference going forward. Here's some of the names on the advisory board for the, for the Big 12 that uh, Brett Warmark, yeah, uh, your mark has put together here Garth Brooks is on it, Jason Kidd, um. Let's see who else is. How did Jason Kidd have a tie? Uh, Mark Shapiro is on there as well. Um, very interesting uh, to see uh, these guys, uh, you know, put themselves, you know, partner with the Big Twelve and be part of the uh, uh, commu- the future of this league, the direction where it's going to go. The-
1: Garth Brooks and Jason Kid—that that wasn't a headline I was expecting to read this morning. I mean, Garth Brooks maybe be a tie to OSU, but what is Jason Kidd's tie? Dallas? I guess. That's very weird. I d I I don't know much about Mark Shapiro, but
0: Well uh I guess so Right, your mark and Jason Kidd uh you know they knew each other when they both worked for the Nets.
1: Oh okay. True fair. And
0: more maybe there might be more of a personal connection to
1: yeah, is, is Garth Brooks just uh, the minister of culture for this board, <laughs> right? Is he, is he is he filling the Matthew McConaughey role? Is uh, are these his friends in low places? I mean, are we gonna get are we gonna get a new guard song called All Right, All Right, All Right? Right. Uh, that's yeah. That's odd. That that's. That might be the most interesting thing I've heard all week. Garth Brooks and Jason Kidd on an advisory role for the Big 12. Hey, listen, I I do like Garth Brooks as the minister of culture for OSU. Uh, He he did – interesting note, you want to talk about Garth Brooks. He did tweet out um, something about doing a uh, Christmas show or a show in Stillwater on the Strip um around christmas time so nothing's been announced but uh, uh you have a big oklahoma news that would be something
0: maybe the big 12 title game now that they're you know a part of the conference
1: we get jason Kidd to do the coin toss and garth brooks do a halftime show i'd be very disappointed because i wouldn't be like, like Garth Brooks can't do a Big Twelve halftime show unless OSU is a part of it, right? Well, I don't think not or, anymore. Not since he works for the league now. all uh, right that's that's fair. I guess that would be that would almost be like a hype concert for the OSU fan base if he was there. And but to be fair, Garth Brooks is relevant everywhere. When I was in Boise, Idaho, for Boise State uh oklahoma state fourth quarter they played friends in low places and and i i think i think every osu fan in attendance to that game was like i don't think you understand what you're doing right now
0: (laughs) the jason kid one like uh are we gonna start seeing him like just rocking big 12 gear at uh at Mavs press
1: conferences or something what would he be more of a tcu fan or would you I, – I see Jason Kidd more so maybe rocking SMU hat than anything.
0: Well, so with your mark pushing the future of the league, I think it's got to be a Big 12 member that's going to be around for a while. Um, I see him – I think TCU with the Dallas thing, that makes sense. Um, I don't see him being like a Baylor guy. Uh, no. but,
1: uh-huh. you
0: know, TCU –
1: That that seems to be his vibe. Where where did you know here's 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 a game. Um remember when I we we played the Where Did He Go to School at? and we just named a random one and I just randomly guessed Travis Kelsey Cincinnati. So I already cheated, I'll be honest, because I did look this up. Do you want to guess though? Let me let me see if I can guess. Is it let me ask one question. Is it If you split down the middle, if you split it, if you drew a line straight up from OKC and straight down, would it be west or east? It would be west. Really? Jason Kidd played college ball at, oh, wow. I'm going to say a no-name type school well no i'm gonna say he played at uh oh man this is tough i'm gonna say he played at arizona
0: you're not far off you got the right conference
1: okay he he didn't play for a utah school no did did he played in california yes he played for Cal.
0: Yes, he's from San wow.
1: Francisco and he played for Cal. Wow, man. You know what's funny about Jason Kidd is like I've even seen Steph Curry Davidson highlights, I've never seen a Jason Kidd Cal highlight ever.
0: Well, and uh, his last year at Cal, um. He and Tony Gonzalez were teammates.
1: Incredible. I, I, what year was that? Because I'm going to have to go back and watch. 1994. Oh, okay. Now I really feel old. Yeah.
0: Unfortunately, I was supposed The way things worked out for Jason Kidd and Tony G. If you were okay. hey, you're both going to be Hall of Famers someday. But in a. One of you going to play football.
1: Right. Yeah, that's – that's tri- – you know, that's a great trivia question. That's actually incredible. I, it's, that's got to be one of a kind, right? Oh, well, yeah, definitely. How, how um, does Cal have all these great players come out of it, but Cal is never any good? Yeah. You have Tony of- Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff. Those are just the ones that I can think of off the top of my head.
0: Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and look at the Big 12 slate of games this week. We mentioned TCU taking on Baylor. TCU is only favored by two and a half. The disrespect continues again. The games in Waco. Um, Baylor has been a roller coaster all season long. Vegas doesn't like them. Um Tom, I, I I think Vegas is wrong here. I think TCU delivers a statement win here. I think that this might be a blowout. What time is the game? 11 a.m.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking TCU. I would take TCU plus 11 and a or minus 11 and a half.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, One o'clock, K State taking on West Virginia. West Virginia's played better as of late. Nice win against the Sooners last week. Um, and they find themselves at four and six, still in a shot at bow eligibility, taking on this K State team on the road in Morgantown. Tom, a K State team that's trying to get to the Big 12 championship, this is a total trap game right here. Uh I think K-State wins, but West Virginia, I think, is gonna do what they can to keep it close. I mean, look look what West Virginia did last week, you know, benching JT Daniels. And they turned they turn and turn to uh this green kid, Garrett Green, and he was awesome.
1: You want yeah, you wanna talk about some art, like some true grit? Garrett Green. I don't know if you got to see his touchdown run, um, but he was incredible, you know. And so do I think K-State will win? Yes. Or is it a trap game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, is, is name another place that's not trap game besides Ames in the Big 12, besides Morgantown. Maybe you could say Lubbock. Has that trap ability to it, but nowhere else besides maybe Ames is more trap than Morgantown, West Virginia. You're talking about Neil Brown, who should have been fired long ago. You come off, you beat OU for the first time since you joined the Big Twelve. How much? How much does that matter? You know, um, is Garrett Green going to start? Are they going to just ride with him and uh, take their transfer quarterback and say, nah, we're not playing with you no more? Um, Toy Story style. So I don't know. Be interesting to see, uh, you yeah. know, case one way of win or one win away, excuse me, from locking up um, a, an all purple Big 12 championship game. Can they do it? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how. Uh, How gritty this K-State team is with the uh, championship bid on the line. Texas taking on KU in Lawrence this
0: week. Uh, Jalen Daniels' status is unknown. Um, Jason Bean has played good as of late, though. And uh, what, what I'm very curious is, you know, Kansas obviously has played great against Texas over the years. And it's been over a thousand days since Texas has last beat Kansas, um, which is just something something in its own right. Um, two things, obviously, is, is Kansas going to come out guns a blazing like they do and put their best foot forward against Texas? And then two, Texas is six and four. How do they respond to that TCU game? Are they inspired to try to bounce back and try to finish strong? Or are they just going to be deflated after uh, just getting punished like they were against TCU? And, Tom, I kind of lean towards that we're probably going to see a deflated Texas team on
1: Saturday. I mean, essentially they, uh, their Big 12 hopes are gone. You know, I, I would imagine that Robinson leaves after this year. I guess he probably has a COVID year to come back. I think he'd be stupid too. Um, oh, he's
0: going the NFL, yeah,
1: yeah. He should, he should. They are uh, they're on the road. This is not in Austin. Um, I you know you mentioned earlier, or you, you you'd mentioned before when we were talking that Lance Leopold has boughten, uh several student tickets to essentially kind of make this game a sold out vibe. KU's done a good job with that so far. Everybody going to this game, if you're a Texas fan, if you're a KU fan, if you're a neutral fan just showing up, everyone knows the history of this. And uh, I, to be honest with you, I think this sets up. It's, it's just setting up for another KU upset. I don't know if you – this is the le- – if, if KU wins – this is the least amount of upset in the past couple. Yes, that's true. Which is, which is, you know, Lance Leopold, You get, you gotta. At that point, Leopold. you gotta have to off to him. Yes, just just for even saying that.
0: Yes, Lance Lipold. Um, couple oh, more here for you. Texas Tech and uh, Iowa State uh tech at five and five i state at four and six both teams still with the shot at uh bowl eligibility here and uh you look at this texas tech team and uh where they stand right now you know they put up 43 points last week against against ku and that offense was humming i mean they were able to put up you know a lot of points and Tyler Schaaf, you know, was was really good for uh, for Tech last week. Iowa State, their offense has struggled all year. I know the games in Ames, but I think Tech will probably run Iowa State out of the
1: building here. Yeah, you'd be hard pressed to find a uh, one one of those offenses that can just score at will. I mean, well, granted, Tech has always kind of been known for that, but kind of it's kind of been a a gamble here with tech this year. They've, they've showed out um, in a lot of games and they've kind of not shown up in some other ones. So um, I like text. I like tech to get bowl eligible here. Okay. Uh,
0: one more here for you, Bedlam, Oklahoma and Oklahoma state, the least interesting Bedlam game in a very long time. Oklahoma is seven and a half point favorites in this game. Uh, they are the home team. Spencer Sanders is supposed to be back. Um, Tom, you know, this game, despite it being, you know, for nothing here, you know, there's, you know, both teams have, have struggled. Um, I still think that this should could still be a very entertaining game that we have on our hands here. They have, uh, you know, if Oklahoma can play to their potential and if Spencer Sanders is 100%, this could still be a high-scoring ball game that could go either way.
1: I think it comes down to two things. If, I think it really comes down to, to one or two things. Spencer Sanders doesn't play or is injured and uh, doesn't play and and Oklahoma State starts. Gundy or the Garrett, Garrett Rangel kid, OU is going to probably win. If they start Spencer Sanders and he plays for the full sixty minutes and he and he comes in and does what he did last week against Iowa State and played, you know, superhero, then I, I think this is an Oklahoma State win. So uh I wouldn't I wouldn't put money on this game, not straight up. OU is favored, I believe, by seven and a half. I think that's foolish. Uh if OU wins, it's not going to be by more than seven points. Um but you look at the history of this game and um, at least in the last, I don't know, six, seven years, then you'd be hard pressed to find a game like that. So, um, like you mentioned, Jones, doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, especially if K-State wins this weekend. And it means nothing in terms of the Big 12 championship contingency, but. I think if you are an Oklahoman and, or and and have an interest in this game or a stake in terms of fandom, uh, then this game means a lot more than it really should in terms of it being on ABC primetime.
0: Uh, last note before we uh, bring in Joe Scanlon here: a uh, report that came out with in the time actually of Thomas and I beginning this show. He didn't know I was going to bring this up, but a uh, new update from Brett McMurphy of uh, the Action Network. Um, with uh, If you were watching on Wednesday night, Gonzaga and Texas were playing in Austin. And according to a new report from Brett McMurphy, uh, Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark and Gonzaga AD Chris Standiford met earlier on Wednesday in Austin. And there is growing mutual interest regarding gonzaga joining the big 12 sources told the action network um we had heard about this a couple of weeks ago and uh the big 12 was looking at potentially stealing away gonzaga before the pac 12 got to gonzaga growing mutual interest um you know the money obviously is in football gonzaga wouldn't be touching the football money um Big 12 basketball has been awesome, been the best league for the past five years plus now. Adding Gonzaga to the fold here, I don't see any negatives to it. Gonzaga gets a chance to join the elite conference, um, and you expand your footprint out west. If this is going to happen, Tom, I feel like we're going to know here pretty soon one way or the other, and I lean towards – I know some people don't want it to happen, but I lean towards – uh giving Gonzaga that invite and and bringing them in since it's not going to affect that football money you're not hurting your other schools
1: financially doing this I mean at that point the rich get richer why not just go out and you know it'd be like the Rams last year getting Odell Beckham or Von Miller just go do it yeah you know at that point I mean you know at, at the time that we're recording this they're playing right now and at the time we're speaking, Texas is giving them the work, but you know Gonzaga is regularly recruiting good enough to obviously be top of the country. So yeah, they've been getting number uh, one recruiting class since the last two years. I'm I'm excited. I hope they do it. I, I'm all for it. If I would you know love Gonzaga can't, go not going to field a football team. Um,
0: can you imagine like once or twice a year Gonzaga and KU? That would be incredible TV.
1: Yeah, and then you as a Ku fan, imagine going up to Seattle or you know that this you know anywhere near the Sound to go see a game up there. Like it'd it'd be beautiful. Yeah, they played like you know this time. Uh, you know that area right now would be beautiful. Um, just to add that, and 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 to go, to go into Pacific time for the Big Twelve. Um, basketball wise would be, you know, while adding, you know, Provo and 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 getting into that footprint would be incredible. I'm I'm all for it.
0: Yeah. All right. So we want Gonzaga to come to the league. Um, now, Gonzaga, just get your football program started, and uh, we'll be all in. <laughs> uh, we're, yeah, we're
1: Pro Zag podcast. Yes. Yes, we are.
0: Coming up next, uh, Joe Scanlon's going to join us. I uh, got a great chat with him coming up on the other side. You won't want to miss it. Stay with us. Joining us now is none other than our friend Joe Scanlon, who is back. Uh, you know him from Local Four in Nebraska, also from the Bevo Boys podcast and covering the XFL. He does it all, and he is back on the program. Joe, it is a good to talk to you, my friend. What's going on?
2: Hey, it's been a minute, Tyler. Great to be back. Great to talk to you again as well. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, i excited to see what we got today.
0: Yeah, Joe. And uh, you were just telling me uh, that uh, you're cooking up uh, some pizza today. What's uh You're doing this yeah. like kitchen segment or something? What's yes.
2: Going on? Yeah. People want to look at it. I mean, uh, on our KSMB Local 4 website, it's called In the Kitchen with Joe, and it's a segment I do. I go travel around the the Tri-City area here in Central Nebraska, and I uh, visit these uh, mom-and-pop restaurants, these local restaurants, um, and, and just highlight, you know, what they bring to the community, and, you know, try some of their food and give a good review of their food, and so far, I have had delicious food. I've had pizza. I've had prime rib sandwiches. I've had barbecue. It's, so it's, it's a good gig. I'll, I'll tell you that it's a good gig.
0: <laughs> okay. So here's the million dollar question comes to pizza. And if you answer this incorrectly, we might have to just stop the interview and say <laughs> goodbye and go from there. Oh boy. Pineapple okay. on pizza. Yes or no?
2: Uh, oh, dude. Uh, I know what your answer is going to be, but I say yes.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. See you later. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right. It See was you
0: later. Good show. Good show. Uh, that's that's criminal, Joe. I mean, what are you gonna I'd, tell me next? Anchovy? I'm,
2: I do like anchovy, not at the oh. same time as pineapple, but <laughs> oh. there's really not much I won't eat on a pizza, Tyler. Now I have seen some weird concoctions. I've seen peas on a pizza, won't do that. I've seen like ranch sauce instead of marinara sauce, and I'm like, that's ugh, that's a little too much. I like dipping it in ranch sometimes, yeah. but not, not for the whole sauce. Like, come on, that's too much. So, you know, it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. I think, I think, I think the pineapple is becoming more accepted as a society The anchovies. It's just, if you like fish or not, man.
0: Yeah. So, um, here's where I want to start today. Uh, Kansas and Texas place. I'm actually Mm -hmm. bringing you this interview from the Kansas city airport, uh, where I just landed not too long ago. And Joe, I, uh, I get excited for this game every year. It's been over a thousand days since uh, Texas beat Kansas in football, and uh, I'm going to cherish every moment of Saturday. Are you looking forward to Saturday? Has
2: it been over a thousand days? Yes. We we won in 2020. 2020 though, the 2020 so,
0: game got canceled.
2: Oh no, you're right. It did. Oh my gosh, it was 2019. Oh. <laughs> Man, it's been over a thousand days. Um, Well, that just threw me for a loop there, Tyler. Uh, Am I excited for this game? Well, it depends on which Texas team decides to come out and play, Tyler. Um, If it's the Texas team that we saw against Texas Tech, against Oklahoma State, against uh, TCU last week, then I'm not excited, and I'm going to probably cry. Um, If it's the team that played Oklahoma, the team that played Alabama, and the team that played uh, uh, West Virginia and Iowa State um, and Kansas State, Kansas State was a pretty good game, then I'm going to feel a little better. Um, this year, and I, I mean, Kansas fans, you know, don't get it twisted. You know, this ain't an upset by any means if Kansas wins this game. They are a solid team this year. They already have six wins.
0: They He's already preparing Denver for playoffs. a loss. Texas is a 9 favorite.
2: I think that's our curse. I think Vegas is cursing us by making us favorites in every game this year. Having um, points against TCU. Really? Yeah. That's that. That was easy money. I took money line on TCU. I've made a lot of money that night. So yeah. I mean, it's that's what I see. That's what I don't get because they, they favor him by nine. The money line is 335 uh, for Texas. So you ain't making any money really. If you bet on them to win. And it's like, what has this team shown? I mean, the defense has improved vastly since last year. Um, the stats prove it. They have gone down almost every category. Uh, the only category that they haven't really made a huge significant improvement is yards allowed per catch, and that's because there are holes in the secondary that still need to be filled. The the middle of the, Watch the middle of the field in this game on Saturday, Tyler. It's going to be very open. Um, but the offense is just one moment they're – looking like the best offense in the Big 12. The next moment, they're scoring three points in the second half, and it's a trend that has been going on this whole season. They scored three in the second half against Oklahoma State. They scored three in the second half against TCU. They scored three in the second half against Kansas State. I don't know what it is that happens at halftime, what adjustments are made or not made that – Texas just does not have it in the second half, and that allows their opponents to get back in the games, and it ends ends up making a close game. They were up on Kansas State 31-10. to That should have been a blowout. They should have blown out of the water, and ended up being a seven-point game. So that's why I'm very cautious about this game this weekend because Kansas is not the Kansas of, of olden days, and even those Kansas teams beat Texas twice. So... Although, actually, you know what? I would would like him to think, because Jaden Daniels played last year, I'd say this Kansas team and last year's Kansas team are very similar. I'd say they're a little better this year than they were last year. Would you agree? Uh,
0: Yeah, obviously, the record says so. Um, Here's what I wonder. As a a Texas fan, and and, uh, I I promise I'm not just using this segment to bully you for 30 minutes. I I know. It's – which uh, which game was worse for you as, as a Texas fan? Was it last year, Sark's first year, or Charlie's last year when they when KU beat them in Lawrence?
2: Last year, because we knew there'd be growing pains for Sarkisian. We didn't think we'd be down two touchdowns to Kansas at halftime in Austin. Uh, with the Charlie Strong game, the writing was on the wall for Charlie anyways. So just losing by a walk-off field goal was kind of just the nail in the coffin. It was, you know. Not expected, but it was, it was yeah, that happened. Not surprised. Okay, all right, let's move on. You're fired. And last year, I just, I don't know what happened. I don't know what was going on. Um, and hopefully this year, Sarks learned his lesson. It's been the revenge tour this year for most of the games. Uh, everyone that they lost to last year, they've beaten. Oklahoma got revenge on them. Um, Iowa State, same thing. West Virginia, same thing. Uh, T C we beat last year, not this year. I don't know, whatever. And then Tech, same thing. Um, and then Oklahoma State once again did the exact same thing. So, like I said, it's gonna be it's all gonna be about what team comes out to play on Saturday and you know two thirty at David Booth. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. I know fans are gonna show up for sure.
0: Yeah, it should be packed out. Uh, I'll be there. and Definitely have yep. a great time and. So, so, Joe, here's what I wonder with the the Sark era at Texas. We're mm-hmm. almost two full years into this now. There has been significant progress this year, but is it enough? Is it substantial progress? Is, is Sark the right guy heading this getting this program heading in the right direction, you think?
2: So we talked about this on this last episode of the Bevo Boys. Um, I think he's the right guy to change the culture. And I think he's, I think he is the offensive play calling genius. Everyone says he is. If he's only calling offensive plays, you add in the other duties of head coach, and I don't think he can handle all of it. And I think we've seen that with the lack of adjustments in the second half, um, the lack of creativity, play calling in the second half. I feel like it's just too much on his plate to have to deal with the defense and the special teams and the offense. And he is the offensive coordinator, so he's the one calling the plays. So if I think Sark's to be successful at Texas, he either A, needs to hire an offensive coordinator, or B, he needs to delegate an assistant head coach to kind of oversee. Because, you know, what makes Nick Saban so good? Nick Saban is good. Because he has competent coaches to coach everything, and he just oversees the program. Coach O was the same way at LSU in 2019. And when you have a head coach that can just be like the CEO of sorts and just focus on the big picture instead of having to do the big picture and focus on the offense, I think that makes everything a lot easier for the team, and everything's able to gel more, and you're able to make those adjustments, and you're not scoring three points at the second half.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I, I was looking at this year, and when Quinn Ewers was out, the excuse was mm-hmm. that, you know, when they lost a couple of games there, they finished the Alabama game, the Texas Tech game. Well, if Ewers played, Texas 101 and they very well may have. But then mm-hmm. the way that things have unfolded since he's returned, um, how would you evaluate this Texas team with Quinn Ewers? Are they significantly better with Ewers than they are without?
2: Man, it depends on the day, because against Oklahoma, Quinn Uris looked lights out. He looked like he did in the first half of the Alabama game before he got knocked out of the game. Um, we got to remember, yes, Quinn Uris is the highest-rated quarterback to come out of high school since Vince Young, but he is still a 19-year-old freshman. He skipped his senior year of high school to go sit at Ohio State and played two snaps and handed the ball off twice. All he has under his belt right now is, I think, five games this year and two spring seasons. He's still young. He's still learning. Let's look at some of these Texas quarterbacks in the past. Was Colt McCoy the Colt McCoy we all know or all knew in his freshman year? No. Was he good? Was he average? Yeah, he was pretty good. He was pretty good. He was fine. Vince Young, freshman year. Was he the Vince Young that, you know, won the Rose Bowl against USC? No. Vince Young got benched. and I don't even remember the backup's name, but he got benched. And so – Young
0: was a bad passer early on.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you have to let him develop before you start throwing these things out like bust, overrated, stuff like that. Not everyone's going to be a Trevor Lawrence where they just come in and automatically just take over. I'm not going to be a Tua. You're not going to be you know, anywhere like that. Some people are Mac Joneses. Mac Jones was not great, and then Sarkeesian worked with him, turned him into a Heisman candidate. So I think you got to give Quinn one more year, and I think that's a reason why Arch Manning has not decommitted and just run for the hills because he knows the process, and I'm sure his uncles and grandpa have told him, you know, that's the process of being a college quarterback it's developing and if you have a guy that can develop quarterbacks like Sarkeesian you're gonna be okay so a lot of what Quinn has he has the arm talent obviously we've all seen him sling it his issue now is the the uh the intangibles the footwork stepping up in the pocket stepping and throwing he has not stepped and thrown the last two weeks he's just been like back back foot just throwing it and that lets that ball if you watch the games that ball just hangs up there you'll see it on Saturday that ball's gonna hang unless he changed it hopefully <laughs> but he 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 the ball hangs up there and that allows the defensive backs to a get back and make a play on it or b just pick it off straight up so a lot of what Quinn has to do it's a lot of growing and I think that's the reason Sarkeesian has left him in there in these games uh to, to struggle and learn now the problem I have with that is is you have to win these games. They had to win TCU, and I think Hudson Card would have gotten uh, Texas a win the way the defense was playing. Um, and and uh, to speak to Sark's quarterback prowess, Hudson Card was terrible last year. He won every game except the Tech game and the, the Alabama game, and it's Alabama. I and mean, I know Alabama's down this year, but it's still Alabama. And Hudson Card was able to be a competent quarterback and get Texas wins when they needed them. He was a game manager. He's able to use his legs. He was able – he's able to bring Texas a win. I don't know why Sarkeesian didn't go to him in the second half of the TCU game. We, we never will know. But I think – I think you can say that Hudson Card has gotten better in the two years that Sarkeesian has been there. And I think that's a good sign for a guy whose caliber is like Quinn Ewers, that he's going to also get better, hopefully, next year
0: couple more things on ut and then we'll uh we'll move on here you mentioned arch manning he's coming in next year yep. and you know the recruiting rankings are just as high on him as they were on quinn ewers if not higher just off the charts what is the game plan when he arrives on campus is it to compete right away with Quinn Ewers? is it to go in in red shirt and wait till quinn leaves what what is the the plan of action when arch arrives
2: so from what I've seen on boards and from reports, um, the plan is at the moment to redshirt. I think his family realizes the, the uh, benefits of development and getting that extra year to develop will be beneficial for Arch. Um, however, if Quinn keeps playing like he is right now, I could see a quarterback battle being waged in the spring. And I think that'd be an interesting battle to watch. Um, I don't think they're planning on him playing, but like I said, if Quinn doesn't develop at all, if he regresses, if he turns into a Spencer Rattler, then yeah, we might see Barch be playing as a true freshman at Texas. It's all going to just depend on, you know, what Sark wants to do, how Quinn progresses and a lot of, a lot of intangibles and, you know, what ifs that aren't going to be answered yet until the spring.
0: Now, uh, you look at, uh, here in a couple of years, Oklahoma and Texas both making this move to the SEC. Oklahoma's having their struggles this year. Brent Venables not off to a great start to his tenure as the Oklahoma head coach. With, with that being said, with Oklahoma going through their rebuild, seeing what Texas is doing this year, who's in better shape for this move to the SEC? Or, quite frankly, are they both in bad shape for this move to the SEC? What say you, Joe?
2: Oklahoma's in trouble. I know you're an OU fan, Tyler. Um, I'm sorry, man. They're in trouble because not only is this defense just like lost out there, uh, recruits are dropping like flies. Colton Vasek, a highly rated defensive end, decommitted from Oklahoma, went to Texas. Um, you can't have that. I've seen what that does to teams before. I've seen, it's happened to Texas before where people decommit and then leave. And so I don't know if it's Venable's, biting off more than he can chew from what I've heard from people inside. I actually know somebody who knows somebody inside the program. Venables ran the Grinch style defense the first three games of the year. So that's why we saw Oklahoma looking really good. And then the TCU game, he started trying to implement what he runs, what he ran at Clemson. And from what I've heard, it's a very complex style of defense, a lot more complex than Grinch. So I think Venables needs to get his guys in there. He needs to get the people he recruited because I think Grinch recruited a type of guy that won't translate well into the Venables defensive system. So I think that's why you're seeing OU struggle right now, and I think you're going to see them struggle for at least another year or two. Uh, As far as Texas goes, if the defense keeps progressing under Pete Kwiatkowski, like they did between last year and this year, I think they'll be ready for the SEC. The SEC's a quote-unquote defensive conference, even though it doesn't seem like it anymore. I think they can go toe-to-toe with almost anybody, maybe not, you know. I mean, they showed it against Alabama. They did go toe-to-toe with Alabama. I think they could go toe-to-toe with anyone in the SEC right now except maybe Georgia and Tennessee. So I think Texas is in a much better spot. They still have some things they need to work out, some things to build on. But if you want to compare the two teams, I'd say Texas is a little in a little bit better shape than OU.
0: Um, but overall, uh, you, you mentioned you think OU's in bad shape. You feel fine with Texas, though? You think they're going to be – this transition's going to be okay? Any nerves at all for Texas making this move? Um, if
2: they lose these last two games, I'm extremely nervous because five and seven to six and six is not a great progression. Um, if they end up going eight and four, I predicted eight and four this year. I didn't predict a Big 12 championship. The fact they were in Big 12 championship contention, I think a lot of people – national media, Texas fans, drank the Kool-Aid after the Alabama game and said, oh, my God, maybe this is the year. Maybe we don't need a progression year. Maybe we can go get the Big 12 this year. When, when the truth and, of the matter
0: is it was a down year for
2: Alabama. Yeah. And, and that has come to pass. It's almost like Texas-Notre Dame back in, what, 2015, 2014, 2015? Texas when, is when back they, game. Yeah, Texas is back game. And everyone's like, oh, these teams are going to be really good. And then they were yeah. both terrible. So, yeah, thanks a lot, Joe um, <laughs> Joe don't get me started. Yo, yeah, well, he called the OU game, and I—I I swear to God, he wanted to say it. He wanted to say it so bad, because they were, you know because of forty-nine nothing. I was like, don't say it, don't you say it, Joe. Um, but back to my point, eight and four is where I wanted where people, where reasonable Texas fans wanted them to be. Eight and four with an outside chance of getting into the Big Twelve championship game in the second year after going five and seven. I'll take that. I'll take that any day of the week. Now, how we got to eight and four, and the trends that I've seen this year, including in the wins, worry me. The second halves, the lack of adjustments, the lack of running Bijan. That poor kid, he's gone after this year, and we wasted probably one of the most talented runners that has come through college football. And Tom Herman wasted him, and Sarkisian has now wasted him as well. But if you go eight and four, I'll even blow it to seven and five. Unless it gets ugly. Building on that year last year, that was just awful, terrible, is a sign of positive movement. And that's what you want as a program trying to get out of whatever the heck Texas has been in the last decade. Yeah. So am I worried a little bit if they end up going eight and four, nine and four possibly with the bull win? I think they're in the right spot. I think then you have to build on that. And if you've regressed from nine and four, you're in trouble. You are in trouble if you're Steve Sarkeesian. So it's all a bunch of what ifs, man. You just have to wait and see. It starts this weekend with Kansas. And so I'll be – I'll already be drunk. I'm going to the uh, Wisconsin-Nebraska game. So I'll just keep going, I guess, watch the game and hopefully not be crying in a bar in Lincoln. So
0: Right. Speaking of which, uh, we mentioned you're in Nebraska there. Uh yeah. Mickey Joseph, the interim head coach. There were rumors about him taking over as their next head coach. Um, we've seen the names like Matt Rule, the urban buyers yep. of the World. Uh what the hell is going on with this coaching search? Who's gonna be the next head coach in Nebraska? Um,
2: I don't think it's gonna be Mickey Joseph. I know Trev Alberts, the athletic director here, has uh alluded to making a decision here in the near future, it's the very near future. Um If I had to put money on it, I'd go Matt Rule. I think – let's be honest. The Nebraska head coaching job is one of the most attractive head coaching jobs in the nation. And you might think, "But Nebraska sucks. Why would anyone want to coach there? Well, first of all, they're not a poor team, man. They have the resources. They have the facilities. Two, the fan base is – I would put them as the best in the nation because for a fan base to go through what they've gone through since – Oh God, since 97, they, and they still show up and they still pack Memorial. Now they're all gone by halfway through the fourth quarter, but they do pack Memorial to start the game for a fan base to have, to have that fan base behind you is something not a lot of college coaches can say. And three, there is a good, there's a good talent pool here in Nebraska, Iowa, that area, the Midwest. Um, I think you need to hire someone that is also a good recruiter. Now, Whoever they do hire, whether it be Mickey Joseph or Matt Rule or Lance Leipold? Leipold. Leipold. Leipold, sorry. Uh, Lance Leipold's a name that's been thrown out there as well. Um, Whoever they hire, they need to keep Mickey Joseph. That man has recruited well. He's brought in people from Louisiana. You can recruit the South like no one's business, and that's something Nebraska lost when they left the Big 12. They lost that pipeline to Texas talent, Oklahoma talent, and – you've seen them struggle because of that. So you need a guy who's going to be able to recruit. And then you just need a guy who's just, just not going to be, you know, they went, they went to, and this is all, you know, hindsight's 2020. They went to cute with the Scott Frost hire. They saw what he did at UCF, former Husker quarterback, former national champion Husker quarterback. And they thought, Oh, look at this, look at the storyline written for us. The Husker quarterback coming back to save our team and he wasn't the guy at all in any capacity. He had a lot of off-field stuff issues that didn't really go to light nationally, but local media, we heard rumors and whatnot. Um, so I think with this next hire, you have to go with a guy like Matt Rule, a guy who turned Baylor around from 2-11 to Big 12 champs. I mean, what he won the Big 12, right?
0: Yeah. He came
2: close. He won, He went to the or Super Bowl. He didn't win the league, though. Oh, okay. I thought they won. Last, they won the league last year with the right game. under a right. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, gotcha. But I, but he did. I mean, you took a two and eleven team to a Sugar Bowl. That's a pretty good turnaround. And yeah. so, uh, I think I think Matt Rule is the guy for Nebraska.
0: Yeah, and here's the, here's the thing. I wonder. And you're around that fan base. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the expectation is anymore at Nebraska because Solich mm-hmm. wasn't good enough. And they were in national title games, but not winning them. Um, Pelini wasn't good enough winning eight games. Although there was some other factors involved too. They didn't like the way you know he uh, approached things. And so, uh, you know, obviously they're you know, they haven't had the success they would like in the Big Ten and and everything. What what's the measuring stick you think that fans and the athletic department would be happy with? Would they take a coach that? wins eight or nine games a year or does it have to be ten wins or does it have to compete for national titles? What is the expectation now at Nebraska?
2: Well you mentioned Solich and you talked to Nebraska fans around here. They all say they should never have fired Solich. So take that for what it's worth. Um right now the measuring six get to a bowl game. I talk to Husker fans all the time here and they just want to get back to a bowl game. And that's, you know, for a team that once was still dominant in the nineties, that's it's kind of sad to 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 hear. It's they they've gone, they went three and nine last year. They are headed for three and nine this year, unless they somehow beat Wisconsin or Iowa and Iowa or Iowa. And still four and eight's not great either. So right now the the measuring six get to a bowl game. In fact, I'd even give them two bowl games and then they're going to want to start winning more games and maybe just maybe they've learned from the past. I think Trev Alberts is a smart guy. I think he's going to realize if a coach is winning nine games a year, you got to keep them because then, you know, what, what's the, what's the alternative? We go back to three and nine. I mean, I'll take nine wins a year. I know they're having a down
0: year this year, but Nebraska, all you have to do is just look across the way and, If you're Iowa, I think you'd take that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at – And there's no reason why they can't be able to be what Iowa is right now. They should even be better.
2: Yes. No, I 100% agree. And it's so, it's it's kind of baffling how Nebraska just continues to have these years like that. And I don't know if it's just personnel or if it's uh, a curse – per se, but there's no reason Nebraska should be this bad for this long. And so hopefully whoever they hire is able to turn it around. Football's – football. someone said football's good when Texas is good. I think football's also good when Nebraska is good. When you get these big blue bloods bloods back into the national spotlight, Michigan's been doing that lately, and, you know, we always got Ohio State, Alabama, all those guys. But you get Nebraska and Texas back into it, college football's – you know, I mean, not that it's never been great, but it'll be really good again.
0: The the glory days of the Big Twelve. You go back to the early two thousands with Nebraska playing well, OU and Texas compete for national titles. I mean, Colorado, Colorado was good. I mean, what the Big Twelve was back then is what we talk about the SEC now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing how things have changed. Uh, you know, I, I miss those days. I wish we could bring them back, but. Unfortunately, it is what it is. Um, right. Real quick, before we go, Joe, uh, I know we only just got a little bit of time left. I know you're big into the XFL. I love the XFL mm-hmm. too. Um, I even like the USFL, but I think the XFL is going to be a bit of a better product here. We know the players now. We know the teams. Uh, what intrigues you about this third try at the XFL?
2: Um, what intrigues me is the management. I I didn't really trust Vince McMahon. I mean, he had tried the league once before back in 2000, 2001, whenever that first iteration was. Um, But I do think that XFL was going to succeed had it not been for COVID. Right. And so I think the way they have things set up now, they are a little gimmicky. The whole name thing being drawn drawn out and all they had was one new name. I was like –
0: Come on, guys. For like, the, li- the little man syndrome of your hometown to enforce the Renegades to go by Arlington instead of Dallas.
2: Uh, it's not little man syndrome. When you're paying taxes on the damn stadiums, you should have your name on something. You're, and an suburb. Sub- you're, you're a suburb. Arlington Renegades. You're a suburb. Yeah, we're a suburb, but literally, we, you pay the taxes on AT&T Stadium and Globe Life Park and – Choctaw Stadium, and you see how you feel when they go, Welcome to Dallas. Okay. So, <laughs> no, nah, it's, I, I just, uh, you know, it's good. I don't know if they forced them to go by Arlington Renegades or if they just chose to. I would like to hope they just chose to because I don't, I, you know, you're right. Forcing them to call up the Arlington Renegades is very lame. <laughs> but, I mean, the teams, the logos are pretty good, minus the sea dragons. I'm sorry, that looks like an eight-bit seahorse. The, um the
0: fact they're named the Seattle Dragons, that's like the Kirkland yeah. brand of the Seahawks. It's, yeah, oh yeah, I didn't
2: think about that. You're right. The Sea Dragons, Seahawks, yeah. So what are we gonna be, just Put C C Sea Mariners? Like come on, man. Like, right. What, what's Playing next? in the same <laughs> stadium and everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm all in then, on the Renegades again, though. Bob's on the Duke. Renegades, yes. This is gonna be Bob's way of getting in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> but, will they even let XFL people into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, or are they going to have to make an XFL
0: Hall of Fame? You know? Not the NFL Hall of Fame. It's the Pro Football Hall
2: of Fame. Oh, just a pro. Okay, well, there you go. But, well, Bob Stoops, is he in the college one? He should be in the college
0: He college is. Already. He is in the college
2: one. Yeah, okay. I'm about to say, yeah. Okay, yeah, this could be his way in, because I don't <laughs> see him coaching in the NFL at all, and – yeah, I mean I mean he was a good coach. I liked him when the XFL was in around in 2020. Um I think he he drafted, they just had their draft. They, I think he drafted a very solid team. Drew Plitt is one of the quarterbacks, and then oh uh, some of the slates. I was Slate.
0: hoping they'd get Ben Denucci.
2: Oh God, I was hoping they'd get Ben Denucci too. I can't believe Ben Denucci's in the XFL. I just I love it. Uh and people were telling me he's not gonna be in the XFL. And I was like, watch Ben Danucci gonna be on a team. Boom, Ben DiNucci. So, and uh, you got other names like Jalen McClendon from Baylor. Um, you know, so a lot of there's some talent there in the XFL. So it should be a good product. Yeah, should be. Joe, uh, where can people find you and follow you, man? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Scanlon TV. You can find me on Facebook at Joe Scanlon Local Four. If you want to check out my stories in the Kitchen with Joe, see all the good food I get to try, and then uh, Instagram Joe Scanlon underscore. TV. If you want to see a bunch of pictures of me and my girlfriend and go all the fun things I've done, I, you know, like I said, we went. To, I went to Manhattan, watched the uh, Texas uh, Kansas State game there, and um, been to some been to some cool things. So
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, we uh, we went to that uh, Kansas Texas Tech basketball game earlier this year.
2: Yes, we did. I got pictures from that, and that was such a great game. Honestly, oh, it was. I can't can't get over it, how good of a game that was. Hey, what do real see quick? I mean, t- yes. How do you how do you R-K-R, calm down. But what do you think about Texas so far? They kicked the crap out of Gonzaga.
0: I loved it. I loved every minute of that, actually. Uh, I, I want to get to the Moody Center. That place looks awesome. The fans are on yeah. top of you like that. The outside yeah. of the place looks like a performing arts center. Unbelievable. Yeah.
2: And so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're in Dallas now. You just drive on down to Austin. Yeah. Go to I, Texas, I Kansas.
0: There you go. I, I'm, I'm planning on it. I'll be there for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean – I, Chris Beard, the way that he won at Texas Tech, there was no way he wasn't going to be good at UT. I mean, right. it's almost scary. Like, if he did what he did at Tech, the sky's the limit of what he can do at UT. And
2: just got to give uh, him time. Just give him a little bit of time. And as you can see, just in this one year, I mean, Gonzaga was is no slacker. They're no slacker. So, yeah. to beat them by 20
0: something. <laughs> He's Joe Scanlon. Uh, He's a UT fan and likes pineapple on pizza, but he's still my friend. uh, Oh, Tyler. I appreciate you. Joe, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk in soon. Sorry, man. Take care.